welcome back, everybody, to That Recruiter Show with me, Rodney Stegall, and David York. Welcome back, everyone. Appreciate everybody tuning in to listen to us. Um, David, that mic sounds good. Thank you. Yep, I have stepped it up now that I am a professional podcaster and invested in a Yeti mic. Um, I, I'm not affiliated nor being paid by Yeti. <laughs> However, I am I am thrilled with the the sound quality of the mic so that I no longer sound like I'm speaking in a helmet. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said a helmet, but um, it does sound good. I will say that. And, and Thank you. for those who, who were subscribed or, or kind of missed last week, we weren't on last week and you were actually here in Florida. I was. Yeah, it was it was a great trip. It was, you know, Roddy and I have known each other for, for a while now, but hadn't actually met in person mm-hmm. due to our roles at Amazon being remote and whatnot. And so I um I, I thought it it was important to make a trip out to Florida and and uh spend some time with Rodney and and uh, we were able to actually accomplish some some great things as it related to getting the, the the final pieces of the business set up, and quite frankly, I was able to enjoy a little bit of time in uh, on the beach, Cocoa Beach, and yeah. and uh, and have some fish tacos and a couple of cocktails, and it was a generally wonderful time in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So Intrepidus Talent Solutions is officially up and running. <laughs> yeah, and I I am excited. I am I am anxious, but I will say. Uh, Thank you to all the people. When we made the announcement on LinkedIn, we had a lot of folks, a lot of uh, really very, very nice, you know, congratulatory notes and people forwarding on our messaging and, and things. And so I, uh, I really do appreciate all the things that that uh, people in our networks have done for us so far. And I will say that, you know, it's actually even yielded a few things We're you know, we're in the process of, of hoping, hopefully locking down a few clients here in the not too distant future and, mm-hmm. and really being off to the races. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited where this thing is headed, Rodney. And, and again, just really, really, really thankful to our network for being so kind to, to pass things on for us. Yep. One way or the other, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> no doubt about it. It's going to be no fun. doubt about it. And it gives me an excuse to go to Florida on business trips. Exactly. So I am all about that. Exactly. You know, and I think, you know, what I've enjoyed too is it, I'll echo what you said. It was really heartwarming to see everyone kind of um, chiming in and, and, and supporting the announcement. But, um, you know, in our corporate lives, we really didn't get as much of a chance to go out and talk to a bunch of people and, and get our get our fingers on the pulse of things. And I think this week allowed me to do some of that. And I, and I thought it was really eye opening. Right. So I think I, I've been so focused on tech and engineering for so long that, you know, starting to have some conversations with people in, in finance and treasury and, and other areas and really kind of getting a, a handle on what's going on out there has been so refreshing. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate mm-hmm. everybody being supportive of those conversations. Yeah. It's a whole new world outside of tech and engineering, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and with what's, what I find actually very interesting, you, you know, you see so much in the press, particularly around big tech and all the layoffs, not even always big tech, it could be mid-sized tech, right? But just generally speaking, in, in in the tech world, you've seen a lot of layoffs. And now you're starting to see that creep into Disney, who I think laid mm-hmm. off about 7,000 people over the last few months. You see it in the banking world a little bit. But the I think, and, and while that is super unfortunate, particularly for the people that are impacted, there is still a lot of things going on out there in different sectors, right? So mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't a an economic downturn, if you will, across all sectors. Right. And so there's still a lot of opportunity for people, you know, maybe not, you know, quite as apparent as it was 
you know, 12 months ago, let's say, but there still are a lot of opportunities out there for people. And I think it just, you know, it takes a little more work to find it, mm-hmm. but that's why we're here too. You know, we're, we're out there looking for it so that we can then help people get into whatever it is that they're, that they're trying to find as well. And so I'm, uh, I'm really excited just to be able to do that for people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to break out the old power BI tools, to be honest with you at some point this yeah. weekend to take a look at that because you're, you're spot on. And, and I think, what ends up changing is because the industries change, you have, have these regions that are so heavy in these industries, it, it gets hit regionally different. And right. I think that supports a lot of the conversations that I've had with people who are looking like I'm, I've, I've got to look remote because my industry isn't where I am. And so I'm, I'm kind of interested to go and slice that data and see where we go. So anyway, so shall we shall we get into our uh, topic of the day? Do you want to introduce us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I think it's it's really from my perspective, right? I've I've got an IO background, um, so we look at employee selection a little more broadly than than what a re- typical recruiting department would, right? So we really look at kind of how you string your entire process together, and a lot of that is is data driven and focused on testing. And, you know, we had a conversation about this and, and we kind of looked at some of the, the different methodologies, selection methodologies that are out there and the validity behind each of those. And, and what we wanted to talk about today was really kind of having a discussion around some of these, because um, as we discussed, I think there's some people that are over indexing on some of these methodologies um, and, and putting a lot more faith than they probably should. But I think in doing that, um, you know, I, I think we see some mistakes. Let's take, for example, um, behavioral interviewing, right? That's got a, a validity score of about 0.5, which is, it, it may be high from a, a, a data perspective, but that ain't 100 for sure. And if you're an organization that you're putting a, a large portion of your eggs in that basket, you know, that's that's still not bulletproof. And and so I think you need to make sure that that you're doing the right things and we'll talk about it, but I think, you know, I've seen lots of cases where companies are using a behavioral-based interviewing program, whether it's DDI, in-house, or whatever it might be. Um, but then you start to see decisions being made that have nothing to do with validity. And so it might be, you know, this person answered funny, which has nothing to do with validity of the job. But then you, you've just blown up your entire process and, mm-hmm. and probably taken that 0.5 validity down to... 0.25. Um, and so I, I think that is up the chain, right? So you, you can start at what's called biodata, which would be the resume, right? That's probably got a 0.1 or 0.08 validity score. So which is to say, you know, reading someone's someone's resume versus a job description, you know, that validity to that job description is really low. Um, so the idea of making a too many decisions is probably not a good idea because it's not valid, right? Um, and that, that goes up the chain, right? So you've got testing, various testing, personality testing, things like that. So I, I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I am, I'm with you. Uh, I, I will say, and, and I'll just say just for those of you that may not be, you know, in the stats world, you know, 0.5 validity means you're going to get it right 50% of the time just to put it in very, in very direct terms. And so, and that's, that's basically your best case. And so I think you hit it on the head with it not being bulletproof. And the other thing that I want to point out with that too, is it's not just behavioral interviewing, right? It's, there's a whole lot more 
to it than even just that. Because people can, you know, if you're asking the wrong questions that have nothing to do with the competencies of the job, then your validity is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've always found interesting is that particularly particularly in some of the organizations that you and I have worked in, um, some large organizations that are very data driven on a lot of what they do mm-hmm. in their decision making, right? And over the years have gotten more so as you know data and data science has become a bigger thing. But when it comes to interviewing, it remains so human fallible um, that it it's it's almost amusing to me. And on, on the one hand, because people can't get out of their own way, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and I get it too because it's 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 one of those things that it's very particularly if you're a hiring manager, it's very personal, right? If you're going to be working with this person, um, not only do you want them to be able to perform appropriately on on the job, whatever job that they're doing, but you hopefully are going to be able to get along with them. They're going to be a good teammate. They're going to provide value. All those things. And, and so the, the data part of it gets not entirely thrown out the window, but certainly gets pushed aside. And, and to your point, funny decisions get made in the process. And I've taught a lot of interviewing classes and I'm DDI certified and all that. And it's, um, the questions you get are interesting. And to think Mm -hmm. that, you know, had I not been teaching the class, maybe that person who asked the, 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 the question wouldn't have had the information and then was making decisions that were probably not in their best interest necessarily, mm-hmm. right? And pushing that validity down. And so I, um, I, I just think it's fascinating. The world of interviewing is is absolutely fascinating. And I know that people want the the panacea, right? They want something that is bulletproof that can say, with with some level of great certainty, certainly greater than fifty percent, mm-hmm. that this person will work. Uh, and and it just doesn't exist. Yeah. That's the thing, That's right? The, now, there's things, and we're going to talk about some of this. There's things you can do, certainly, to improve your odds, but and 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 you know, and vice versa, right? It's things that you can do that really dramatically decrease your odds. But there are a lot of factors that go into the success of an employee, and this is what you're talking about. I know in your I/O background, it's you know, there is certainly the selection process of it all, which we're going to focus on, but it's also when somebody comes on board, mm-hmm. what what happens, right? And so. It's, you know, how, how, how are they welcomed? Are they given the right tools to succeed? Is their manager training them appropriately? Do they have other training that is necessary and delivered at the right time in the right way? There's so many factors that make for somebody to be successful or not. And I don't know that those things are necessarily factored into what would quote unquote be a successful hire. Right. Right. You know, at least at least in at least in my experience and in big and sophisticated companies, you know, they talk about it, but it's it's more of a lip service talking and and less of an on the ground uh, reality that I see, you know. Uh-huh. And so and actually I can get into we can talk about bad management, all day, <laughs> um, which I'm going to I'm going to steer away from. But certainly, you know, that 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 is a very, very real thing too. So, so I'm with you and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to digging into this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you can do all the right things. And still make a bad hire. And and I think what a, what gets sold a lot is that if you do those things, you're you're going to make a good hire. And and I, you know, it's it's one of those things where you have to be very good in your process to make sure you get a good hire. No one in the world is going to get it 100 percent correct, right? If if you are, you should be writing a book, and and we want to have you on the show. Um, but you know, we worked in an organization that that did multiple, like two of the the highest validity scores that you can give: behavioral based interviewing and and job based testing, like knowledge testing, and and even then it wasn't always right. And 
that can go wrong for various reasons. And I want to make sure people understand about that. I mean, behavioral based interviewing is the way to go. Um, job knowledge testing is, is not a bad idea either, especially if, you know, if you've got a good valid test, um, if, whether it's software engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy to corrupt those, those systems, right? So you can take someone who's been doing one type of software engineering and give them a job knowledge test that they don't do so well on because they spent the last five years doing this one thing, right? And you give it to someone else who's been doing exactly what you're doing and they're going to they're gonna kill it, right? That doesn't mean one is better than the other because what support does the first person need to get up to speed? That might be minimal, right? Exactly. And, you know, we, we put so much faith in, in things like that, that you end up getting a false negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing starts to happen with behavioral based interviewing. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a, a couple of them, you know, previous employer of ours, Amazon, um, you know, they use behavioral based interviewing and everyone is familiar with the star format situation, task, ask, action, result. Um, I've seen people get, the no because the format of their answer wasn't necessarily in the star format, right? And there was discussion around that. And the question becomes, is that really valid to the job that they have to be able to answer a question in a certain format? I would say no. No, um, I would agree. And, but you've corrupted your, your system by doing that. And, um, you know, spank me for, you know, if I spilled the pearls out or whatever, but um, <laughs> that happens, right? And I, I think you start to see that, like, oh, they said this during the interview it has nothing to do with with the job itself, but it it's it sets off a, a conversation that has zero validity against the actual job itself. And you're t- now talking about a panel of human beings who can be swayed, and if you've got a good influencer on your interview panel. Oftentimes they can sway a, a, an interview one way or the other once they get into a discussion about an integration discussion, which is to say integrating feedback. Um, and it doesn't always have to do with with valid reasons for the job. And in my career, I've seen that go so many different ways. I actually had a, a hiring manager at one point. We did the integration meeting. This person was stellar. And the at the very end, the hiring manager was like, I still can't say no. And everyone asked why. And the hiring manager said, I didn't like their handshake. And they were ready to say no to this candidate because they didn't have a, a proper handshake. Now, unbeknownst to him, in TA, we knew what was going on. This guy had just had hand surgery because we were scheduling it, right? So we scheduled around his mm-hmm. hand surgery. He didn't you know, he didn't want to come in with a huge brace or anything like that. But, you know, sure. when he's shaking everybody's hand, he's being pretty ginger about it. You know, here, lo and behold, he shakes someone's hand with a with a weak handshake and they're going to say no to him. But they didn't know the situation. <laughs> Obviously has nothing to do with the job. And, you know, those are little, little things and little examples. But that plays out a thousand times a day across the globe easily. Oh, huge. Yeah. And, 
and even taking it just up a level from there. And believe me, Rodney, I have similar stories. Um, but, you know, thinking just even at the starting point, when you start to look at, you know, I, I am a hiring manager and I have to hire somebody now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many job descriptions have you seen that just really don't meet what you need as a recruiter to, to even start really, really looking for somebody and hiring managers saying, I don't have time to do it. That's the thing that's always funny to me. It's mm-hmm. like, well, hiring so important, but people won't, don't want to spend the time to do it. And I get it. It's not, it's not necessarily your, your core responsibility. If you're an engineer is to hire people, but as a manager, it actually is, yeah. I would argue, right. Building your team is, is, is part of your, uh, of your statement of work. And so having to spend some time, getting the right people on the team, starting with job descriptions and understanding the competencies and all those things is super important. Um, and then obviously guess who gets blamed, right? After a while it's recruiting, <laughs> you know, you've all been there. Um, but, but I think that that's the other thing, right? Starting to go back to the validity side of it all. If you don't clearly articulate as hiring manager, if you don't clearly articulate the competencies that are necessary to be successful on the job, mm-hmm then there's no possible way a recruiter or anybody else trying to find them, trying to find you candidates can get there. And, and, and that blows up the process too. And it's, it's, you know, even when you get people in the process, they're not getting interviewed on the right things. The the wrong questions are being asked, even Mm -hmm. if they're behavioral, but they're not necessarily the right questions, getting at the right competencies to that, that are determined, you know, that to make somebody successful. And so it really goes down just a really, really bad path. And then, you know, worse if they finally make a decision to hire somebody and the process is not so good, it is, it's literally worse than a coin flip. Right. Right. And so it it's imperative that you get it right out of the begin out of the gate and and have all the tools you need just to get you to your best possible outcome, you know, of, of that 50% validity, right? And so it's 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 critical to get all these things right. And, you know, I encourage anybody, you know, if you're, you know, a recruiter or certainly recruiting leader, you know, those are the conversations that I'm sure that you're already having, but that have to be had with hiring managers that don't want to play ball because you're just, you're just never going to get there and you're going to spin your wheels and then you're going to get blamed as the recruiting team for not doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the other thing that I've seen a lot kind of right along those lines is, and I saw this, I certainly saw this at Amazon, but I've seen this in other, uh, in other companies I've worked for too, where People look for reasons not to hire. Oh, yeah. Screen out, big not time. screen in, right? Yeah. Screen, oh, big time screen out, don't screen in. And my question always goes back to, well, is it a def- like a serious deficiency in skill? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that can really be easily trainable? Like they've got all the other things that you seem to want, um, but but you need to train them up on X, Y, or Z. Kind of what you're saying about, like, say, coding. Right. Right. If you've got a really talented coder, and maybe they haven't used whatever it is that you want them to use in a material way, but obviously their skills are incredibly transferable, you know, and, and I always, this is, I always put it to people like hire the best athlete, you know, that's, that's, what's going to get you there. And if it takes a little bit of training to take a really great person just to get them, you know, to be where you need them to be, I would bet on that all day long versus somebody who might be a little more on the mediocre side and and might have that skill right there in that moment Mm -hmm. you know and so i it's again it goes back to you've got to do all the right things just to get your your position at 50 percent. and people sadly don't want to do it 
and look for reasons not to do it and let all of this other stuff creep in. And then now, like I say, you're, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. You know, you're, you're hiring people and, and then you wonder why a lot of them don't work out. Yeah. It, it, well, I think I, I, I cannot overemphasize this enough um, based on, on what you're saying. And I think would love to get your thoughts on it because I don't think it's really taught in our industry very well, um, which is job analysis. I, I think as a skill, it's not really taught. I think most most recruiting agencies where people get their start, right? I, and, and let's be honest, like the vast majority of recruiters get their start in an agency, right? And And you really kind of get served this job description from whether it's an account manager or directly from a client. And the amount of pushback that happens is usually minimal. I mean, I think your stronger recruiters will push back on it but it's usually a ticket, right? It's like order up and you go and, and look at it. You are lucky if you've, if you've kind of got an account manager or, or someone who has worked with the hiring manager to develop that and knows how to, how to really work a job analysis um, function and, and get it tightened up. But the, it's just not taught in our industry. I think it's taught to, to the importance of, of being good at it. And it's, taught to to make it flashy to make it something that someone is going to it's going to cast their attention and, and come and get to it and i think the the regulatory pieces of, of of job analysis are taught well like you have to have these things and you can't do this but the the actual process of job analysis isn't taught oh i 100 percent agree with you and i think that you know if you were just to pick randomly to go out on a job board and start looking at job descriptions mm -hmm. you would see that immediately yep. in probably nine out of 10 or maybe 99 out of hundred jobs you look at, you know, they, they're the job descriptions are incredibly vanilla. And, and to your point, they hit the regulatory, not even in, in all cases, but they, <laughs> they hit, they, they hit the regulatory things typically that keep you, you know, keep you out of the legal trouble. Right. But uh, they don't tell you anything and they'll, 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 you know, put things, how many times have you seen this, right? Must be a team player, must mm -hmm. be, you know, have high attention to detail, you know, those kinds of things. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just and 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 it doesn't if you're a candidate, you're like, OK, I'm basically going by the title. It's called, you know, it's called mechanical engineer two, looking for about five years experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's me uh, by title and by years. And so I'm just going to throw my stuff in there and, and hope that I may be the right, the right one, because I just really don't know. Yeah. And what that also tells me is that likely the recruiter doesn't know either. Mm -hmm. And, and quite possibly the hiring manager doesn't really know. They just want to let's fish. Yep. Let's fish. Let's see what, let's see what we get. I have literally been told this by somebody who I actually respect greatly and who I like very much um, that was that I was trying to help uh, with an executive search who I, I'm not going to give too much more information because I don't want I don't want to get out there um, <laughs> but, but I was you know it was a lot of candidates were just not working that seemed to be qualified with the right skills mm -hmm. right years right skills um, you know you know seemed to be, even be able to you know have good answers to their questions all the all of the things that typically get looked at rather you know right or wrong and it and it was like no 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 and then it, it's like help me help you i don't know what you're trying to find and it was well i'll know it when i'll see it those were like quote wow. unquote 
I'll know it when I see it. And I was like, well, that creates a pretty challenging position to be in mm -hmm. to try to help you with that. And so it, it, it was a fishing expedition until that person showed up and there was no, and honestly, skill set like looking across the the skills of the people that they, that were interviewed i still don't really know mm -hmm. why the person that got selected got selected um over some of the other people because i thought there was a lot of equivalencies across the board but this person got selected it may be the, the hiring manager finally got to the point where they're like well i've seen enough now and i think that's part of it too mm -hmm. i've seen enough now to be comfortable with this is what the market's providing. Therefore, I better make a decision. Yeah. And so finally did. And he, he never admitted that. But I really do think that 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 weighed in because it was really dragging on. It was it was it was far, far too long. And uh, but I just I, you know, it's and I have heard those things, even if not verbatim from so many hiring managers. Yeah. There's no when you say and that is so unhelpful. And and also, again, your odds of, of being successful then are dramatically reduced and your timelines are usually greatly extended. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're a hiring manager telling a recruiter, I'll know it when I see it, you may as well walk them 50 paces, put an apple on their head and start shooting. Because, you know, at some point I've seen it, I've seen that turn into a complaint against that recruiter so many times, mm -hmm. which is, it's just not a fair position. And I think what we're talking about is generating a baseline document that you can use in your selection. And it's got to be tight. And, and to be honest with you, on top of that, and I, I never see anyone in industry do that, you should have weight, weights on on all of your requirements too. Again, you know, if, if we're talking about really being able to select someone from that document, because you've, you've got to be able to make a systematic selection off of it. Mm -hmm. and, and so often what that becomes is, again, it's order up, here's my ticket. And, you know, I just said, cook it. <laughs> and and so yeah. you're you're just kind of gathering this pool and then you're trusting on your intuition and these other methodologies, right? Whether that's your job test and your behavioral based interviewing, but it comes back to this baseline document that you have not defined. So you're almost if if we were to put it in engineering speak, look at I'm not an engineer, so I can't really say engineering speak, but you know, if I were to put it in the best engineering way possible. It's like, okay, build me a bridge. Well, what kind of bridge? What do you want it made out of? I don't know. I'll know when I see it. Just go build it. Just go from point A to point B. You know, that that's as a requirement, that really doesn't solve the problem. Which I yeah, I think close. in TA, oftentimes that's kind of what we get with our with our job descriptions. Um, and then you can throw whatever methodology tests, assessment method doesn't matter at that point. And mm -hmm. similar to you, right? So I, I've, I've been lucky enough in my career to, to work with heavy hitters out there, whether it's Spencer Stewart, Heidrich Struggles, all right, mm -hmm. Russell Reynolds. And when you, and, and whether it's, it might be us, right, with a client, you get an opportunity to really work with one of these white shoe companies, use them and, and get their advice. Because I've seen plenty of times where after two weeks, I'm like, you know what? It's not them. It's us. And you, you start to get into some of these meetings where you're looking at the candidates that they're providing. And then you're looking at your executive make decisions. You're like, that's, this is an us problem. This is not a them problem. And so many times I've <clears throat> most recently, I, I think 
the executive was like, well, when you when you give me about 20, 25 people, I think I'll be able to make a decision. And that's not a sound way to go about making a, a hiring decision. No. But I've seen that happen. And and I again, there's there's that actually happens a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. You know, give me 30 and I'll, I'll, I think I'll be able to choose one out of 30. And A, the job market isn't like that anymore. You know, people don't don't work that way. And if you've got a if you really understand what you want, you can look and say this person is going to be able to do my job. And then likability, whatever, all that stuff. Right. If, if you then are holding off for the most likable person, <laughs> then meets your job. Right. But that's still your problem. Right. That's still a, a bad selection methodology and process on your part. Mm-hmm. And that is is kind of what a third party can bring to you. And I, I don't know that, you know, in my career, um, companies really leverage that enough to be told. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with you. And, and I've fortunately have been able to work with some of those companies too. And they're, they're, they're good. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they are, they are good. Yeah, I don't want to compete against them. They, and they provide a wealth <laughs> of knowledge and have, you know, they really do have their pulse, you know, on the market and, and, and know everybody there is in, in some of these high level, you know, C-suite type positions. And so to not listen to them is, is really a mistake. Um, you know, but I would even take it down a notch back to your point around, well, I need to see 30 people or 20 people or whatever it is to make a decision. I've seen that for mid-level roles, mm-hmm. you know, and I, my question back to them, and this has worked a couple of times and, and fallen on deaf ears a couple of times, but is, all right, so you, you want to hire an engineering manager. Um, you know, you're, you're a director of engineering, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years, and you need to hire an engineering manager. And it, my question to them is, well, so you, in this search, you want to see 10 people, let's say, and that's at 10 for what, cause I think it's a round number, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, is a lot of times where they, where they get to. And I said, well, why? Well, I need to see what the, I need to see what's out in the market and make sure I don't miss anything. Okay. Um, seems logical, right on its face. Mm-hmm. But then I go back with, I said, well, I get that, but to your point, and I agree with you that the market doesn't typically bear that. You're you're not going to see ten qualified engineering managers over a a, a period of time where you'll be able to, if the first one is, ends up being the one that you want, be able to go back to that first one. That first one will be gone. Yep. So there isn't going to be a, so the time frame is going to work against you. And I said, but even more importantly, think about like how many engineering managers have you hired in your career? Like you already have a library of comparison in your head. Right. And so. And not even hired, David. I would say, how many have you worked with? Uh, worked with, talked to, interviewed even, and that not hired yet for sure. So you you should arguably have that up in your up in your head to draw from as you are talking to people. And should that person be the very first person that you talk to? I would encourage you to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Because the chances of of some better candidate coming along is probably very, very small. But now you've just introduced the risk of missing the one that you thought you wanted. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know? Do you and think I, that's you know, an emotional thing. I mean, do you think it's it's? Uh, I, I hate to kind of pin that. That's a bad word in in some some corners, right? But it it almost feels that way to me. Like that's an emotional way of, of approaching the problem. It helps you feel better 
when you've seen 10 people and can say, I've seen 10 people, this is the one? I think it's a FOMO thing. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. You know, it's, it's very much fear of missing out, I think. Um, so I do think that it it is emotionally driven. And again, it's funny. I go back to you know what I was saying earlier, that as much as you, you want to try to make the interview process as objective and and spot on as possible, there's always an emotional component to it. It's just trying mm-hmm. to to minimize that, minimize bias and all the things that go along with it. But I absolutely think it's 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 emotion. And one of the things I will I will tell people too, and I use this this analogy usually sparingly because it, it can it can potentially be off putting, I think. But I, I I think dating and recruiting are very similar. Mm-hmm. And I I will I've I've said this to a hiring manager. I said, okay, so when you met your wife or your partner, or whatever, right? Just wife for the sake of argument. You know, after you met her, were you like, I'm going to pause on you. I need to talk to 10 <laughs> other girls just to make sure that <laughs> you are the one that I actually want to be with because, uh, you know, you never know. There could be, like, you're good, but there could be something <laughs> a little bit better out there that I, that I want to go and, and, and find. So I'm just going to put a pin in you and we're going to, you know, we're going you know, to do that. But, but to me, it is very much the same thought process. Yeah. And that's why I use the analogy. Right. And, and, and like I said, it doesn't, not everybody loves the analogy, but I, but I think it holds true because I do think it gets to the emotional side of things. And in a way, and what I'm also trying to point out with, with that is the, um, kind of the comedy in, in the fallacy of, of how you're thinking. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and, and again, it's worked sometimes. Other times it's been like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. I'm in charge. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm doing it. You know, I'm wondering though, like maybe in the back of their head, it had some effect, but, but that's, but honestly, that is how I look at it. And for an experienced person, you'll know, mm-hmm. like when I gone to hire recruiters in my, in my life, and I really do try to subscribe to that. If I find the one that I want, whether they're the first one or the third one or the 10th one, it, it's, that's who I'm going with like immediately. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I will, to the point where I will let people go, you know, because I don't want to keep people hanging on Mm -hmm. because I know they don't want them. You know, I know that they're not right for this job, not want them. That sounds, that sounds like a terrible way to put it. I don't mean it to sound so harsh. I mean it to be that, you know, I don't believe that for my job, you were the the correct fit. And so uh, I will, I will want to get back to those people as fast as possible too. And it hasn't worked out in 100% of cases quite as cleanly as I'm speaking it, but really that is what I endeavor to. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that that's a better way to play it too. It's, it's don't hold on to people. Don't, you know, if they're, if they're out there looking, you got to let them go, you know, because you don't want to give me false hope either. And now I'm kind of going down a little bit of of a rabbit hole here, but, but I do believe that getting back to my original point is that when you find that person, you should make a move on them and not hesitate. But again, go back to where the competency is right that you were interviewing on. Mm-hmm. Is everybody aligned who's part of the interview team? Is everybody even preparing for their interviews to give the best candidate experience? All of those things will dictate whether or not you you make a good hire. I will tell you the other thing, and I've seen this too, is when people try to lowball candidates. Yeah. yeah. And then they wonder why they leave. Right. So you've got this really great candidate. You, they can really do the job and then you try and then you lowball them. And then maybe whatever at the timing that, per, per, you know, that person will take the job, but then they don't stick around too long. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's, and it's up. Oh, well, it was a bad hire maybe, but probably not in that case. Maybe it was, you know, they, they were just unsatisfied with what you were, with what you were providing to them. Yeah. When I would argue, you know, pay people well, 
and fairly. You don't have to go. You don't have to give them the whole, you know, enchilada, but pay them fairly, and, and it will it will go a long way. And I will this just as an aside. I think in this market, I'm seeing a lot of lowballing stuff for recruiters. Yeah, differently than I would have seen 12 months ago, and I've I've noticed that particularly since there's more pay transparency out, you know, in California, and New York, and some other places. Um, I'm surprised actually at some of the the things that I've seen. You know what I would say is in the last three years now, I'd say three. Maybe four years. Companies have normalized their their salary compression, and mm-hmm. um, everyone that I have have spoken to about it, they're like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm still going to lowball you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, well, let's just oh. see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and okay. I think um, I I don't know that that's a good place to be for an organization to know that. Okay. My salary compression is a real problem. It's limiting me being able to to make it market offers. Why would you be okay with that? And right. And why wouldn't you fix that before you go out and start recruiting? It's like saying, you know, right. my house is on fire. I'm going to try and sell it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and it goes back to this idea that like if you're going to put all this time and effort into the interview process, and let's just say you do it right, mm-hmm. and and you do all the things you know, that we've talked about in the best possible way and you get to that 50% validity, it really is incumbent upon you to make sure that, that you do all the right things by that person once they walk in the door. And part of it is, is the compensation. Mm -hmm. And then part of it is all the other things that we talked about earlier too. And so uh, to make that a successful hire, because at the end of the day, that's what you're gunning for, right? It's, it's a selection process that gets you somebody that can actually end up being successful in your organization but there are a lot of factors post hire that that make that happen as well. Yep. And so you're going to spend all the time and money on it. Why wouldn't you want to invest at the point where they where they come in the door as well? Mm-hmm. And so, you know. So anyway, not not good again. Too much of a rabbit hole again. But I think we have to look at things holistically um, and understand that the selection process, while super important, and you got to get that right. There's more to it, yeah. you know. And let's go back to the IO piece of it. And so, um, but but. Just understand that the selection is, you know, it's challenging and 50% at best based on, on current data. Yeah. And, and you know, so to sum up, I mean, if I, if we're at a place where we can sum up, but. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. You know, I think you, you have to have a good baseline document that is, is well-written and, and really is, is tight and it's, it's no fluff and you're not going to go out on a fishing expedition based on this document, but you know and understand what that job entails. Knowledge, skills, and abilities are there. You have eliminated, you know, works well with others. You know, things like that that just have no validity to that job. Once mm-hmm. you once you have a good baseline document, you can then start to line up all of these methodologies. You're, you can tailor your behavioral-based interview questions around um, – that job, you can do your your job tests around that job, or if you're going to do work samples. Um, now, I'm I'm not a huge fan of of the personality testing. I, I'll be honest; I did like the whole um, boot camp to be able to do disc and things like that. And after afterwards, mm-hmm. I was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, but you can really tailor your methodology to that baseline document, and part of that is understanding the comp. And if for whatever reason you need to make compromises, you know, based on your baseline document. And, exactly. and I think that gives you 
the best possible, you know, if we're, if we're talking about insurance, right, that's, that's your, your best case of guarding against anything going wrong is, is having mm-hmm. everything shored up and you have to have someone TA marshalling that process and with the authority and, and, you know, the ability to kind of look at that and say, we need to cut that out. You can't be asking those questions. That's got nothing to do with this job. Um, and I think if, if an organization can do those things, they're probably light years ahead of most. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and making sure that everybody in the process is aligned. Yes. Right. So I absolutely agrees with that job analysis, the baseline document, but everybody who's going to be touching that candidate needs to be aligned, needs to be prepared, uh, needs to know what questions they're asking before they walk into the interview Mm -hmm. and needs to understand at the end of the interview, how is all that information integrated to make a decision? Yeah. Right. That's, that's the other piece of it. And making sure that, that all the information that you gathered can be discussed appropriately pertains to the job. That's the critical one and, and is appropriately assessed. And then a decision is made, right? That's, that's how you get to your best case outcome uh, in, in hiring. And then, you know, hopefully from there, you know, you can, you can get to decision quickly, get, you know, make an offer within a reasonable period of time because, you know, time kills all deals. Mm -hmm. And for, for a company to, do all the right things at the front end, but just not be able to get over the finish line, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't help you either. And so I think that uh, all the things that you summed up, I think is absolutely true, but I also want to just hammer the, home the point that everybody in the process has to be aligned. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. But that's why we're here, right? That's, that's why you have yeah. TA professionals to, to help you do this, hopefully internally um, mm-hmm. and, and make your business more successful. <laughs> I mean, we bring in a lot sure. of money for businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And I will put a plug in for us, too, is for the companies that either don't have the the manpower or the capability, we can help with all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, not just not just the hiring of it all. Certainly we can do that, too. But if you're not really sure what you need, we can help you. We can help you understand that. We can help you bring out the I'll know it when I see it to something tangible, real, discernible and identifiable. And so I think that, that for any company that's struggling in that, you know, think about whether it's, you know, certainly I would love for, you know, you didn't get Rodney and I, <laughs> but, um, but, if, but if not, if, if, if you engage somebody else, it's, it's, I think that it is money well spent and will, will, will help you on the back end because bad hiring costs a lot more than just spending a little time and money on the front end. Yeah. And, and we're not going to charge you for a phone call. So, if, you know, I think a lot of HR people don't spend a ton of time in TA, it's not their favorite thing to do. And and so they often are saddled with, hey, you got to go do TA. Give us a call. I mean, we're happy to kind of have that discussion with you and help out. I think, um, sure. again, we're not going to charge you just for picking up the phone. Um, we're happy to have those calls. Um, yep. But, yep, that's our, that's our week. Episode 10, I think, now. Is that what it is already? My goodness. Yeah. So it's been it's been wonderful, Rodney. I, I've enjoyed this topic. I know I strayed into a few different areas here as it relates to things outside of selection, but certainly uh, I hope that people understand that that I do that because I believe that the points are hopefully helpful and valid. Um, but uh, but no, it's been it's been great, man. As as always, uh, certainly enjoy the time, enjoy the topics, and hopefully everybody else will as well. And and I just encourage everybody, you know, once uh, once you give this a listen, please comment, like, share. 
um, reach out if you want to talk about anything individually. You know, we're happy to to to, to take all of that, and uh, it helps us mm-hmm. in what we do and and getting better at this and everything. And so, always the the feedback, and questions, and comments are are appreciated. Absolutely, and as always, everyone, thanks for listening to that recruiter show. Mm-hmm.